welcome back to Creativity and Chaos, a 1L2N podcast. I'm Amy, and if you could combine two musical instruments, what would they be? Mike? An anvil and a glockenspiel. It'd be a glockenspiel. Tommy? A cello and a piano. And our most musical guest, Liam. Yeah. We're a family of creatives going through the story writing process, and we're bringing you along for the ride. I was going to say cello and bagpipe, because I feel like that'd be it's like a whole body experience that you have to play that instrument, and it'd be very interesting. Anytime I'm doing any type of composing, and I'm bored of the piano, I just go to the cello, and then I play that like a piano, <laughs> because that's what my brain goes to. God, do I know. So I was like, oh, yeah, cello and piano, that makes the most sense. Boy said he was going to stop, and then he blessed Better not do it again. Dad's testing electrical equipment downstairs right now. Oh, I thought that was the motorcycle. <laughs> nope. Every time that Tommy and I write a piece together, I have to go in and look at his cello line, and it has like eight different notes on one cello part. So he basically needs like a 60-piece cello orchestra in oh, order God. to actually play whatever oh, yes. it is. That'd be great. Yes, it would be. There comes a point when it's just a little too much. Says who? Nah. It's like having so, quadruple. This is come. That, that's ice. you, Mike. You you realize yeah. you are saying these words. It comes to the point where there is just too much. Yeah, too much of one. You have to have lots of. Variety. Okay. Okay. Too much of one. That's fair. Also, a triple chocolate ice cream is delicious. Triple. Add some hot fudge on there. Quadruple. That's too okay. Much. Give me some hot fudge on there. Give me a Call it a day. Four cello quartet. Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, realistically, what we're talking about with triple chocolate is chocolate and then chocolate and then chocolate it's not three different types of chocolate it's just one type of chocolate three times right well not necessarily it could be different kinds of chocolates it's all chocolate though yeah i don't trust it so how would you define different types of chocolate are you talking about like dark chocolate chips with a milk chocolate coating and then you throw nutella dollops in there boom three types of chocolate nutella's hazelnut it's hazelnut and chocolate, though. It's but it's chocolate. It's a type of chocolate. Yeah, but milk chocolate has milk in it. It's chocolate. <laughs> Argument has gone downhill, bro. It's literally it's all get, just chocolate, man. I didn't care about it when I started it. Yeah. <laughs> so today, unless people got stuff going on, what's he got going on? What's new? What's hip hat happening? I can still talk about chocolate. <laughs> I've been playing just a little bit of Warhammer 40k bolt gun and it's a really fun little boomer shooter. Amy walked in and she said something that she put into words exactly how I was feeling. I'm like, this is how I remember playing Doom, where it looks a little better than it looks like you remember it. No, no, it looks like how you remember it. But if you actually went back to play it, you'd be like, oh gosh, this is so old. But in your mind, that's what it looks like it would be. Yeah. Yeah, it was like just updated enough where that no- nostalgia kicking in didn't actually ruin it by coming back. And the sound design was fine. The level design was fine. Like overall, there's not a lot like I need to praise about it. It's just one of those games where you just hop in, you have fun and then you hop out. That's it. The load times are like 15 seconds from hitting the play button to actually getting to shoot heretics. You know what I'm saying? I think that there's always those like rose colored glasses that you your or lenses, whatever. There it's rosy stuff that you look at the past <laughs> and you're like, this is how I used to play it. But there was an interesting video I watched about CRT monitors in general and the way that they do their refresh rate and the way that the pixels actually uh, interact makes older things look much better 
than they used to or than they do on like a, a standard, you know, LCD or LED type monitor nowadays. So specifically, a lot of games were kind of designed with the CRT in mind because obviously they didn't have it. But in order to enhance the graphics and the overall experience, it was designed around the, the technology they had to to give the visuals for it. So I always find that interesting when you're designing something around what we would call outdated technology and then porting it essentially over to modern tech and it just doesn't work as well it doesn't feel as good and i always find that really really interesting how we we pushed the limits and we're constantly pushing the limits of like catalysts of technology i don't know i don't know how else to describe it but I was looking up the origin of rose-colored glasses. Apparently, nobody really knows, but the first time it was like written down was in the 1840s, and there's a few different versions of how it could come to be. My thing is, is like, why are rose-colored glasses the thing? Like, I don't want to look fondly back at my memories with rose-colored glasses. I want to look at them with clear glasses to remember them exactly how they are, because I don't need a sepia tone to imagine how good times used to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hit me with that nostalgia, baby. Isn't it weird to think that nostalgia is based off of corporations now and not necessarily the experience that we had? So when you look back on nostalgia, you're like, ooh, Star Wars is nostalgic. Wow, that's crazy. Jurassic Park is nostalgic. And it's like, these are all just multi-million, billion-dollar franchises, IPs, corporations that you're nostalgic for, and you're not nostalgic for an actual, like, I miss bike riding in the snow. Well, I, I think a lot of the things that we enjoy maybe didn't start off being multi-billion dollar corporation things. So, for instance, Star Wars oh, yeah. or Jurassic Park. A great example. Jurassic Park was a novel and then it was adapted into a movie. The movie was super successful and all of a sudden they're like, let's make more of those. And that is where it becomes a franchise. So I when I think about Jurassic Park, I always go back to the first movie. I think it's like one of Spielberg's best movies. And I love the pacing of it and the timing and just, just almost everything about that movie movie is fantastic and i'm nostalgia-ing for the original not for the sequels i guess through my eyes at the time that i grew up in all those were already out in a franchise so it's like one doesn't exist on its own one exists was one through three i i see what you're saying and it actually makes total sense to me I am gaining a new perspective on this. But I think from my perspective, it's like I grew up when these corporations were those billion dollar money makers. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, hmm. I think it's less about the product itself and about the experience you had when you were younger experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more about like remembering when I watched Pirates of the Caribbean when I was younger and I was in middle school and loving the music and I think it was at like a birthday party or something. And I remember it was like raining out. And I, I remember those moments more so than the movie itself. So when I feel like when we talk about nostalgia, it's less about what we're actually talking about and more about the experiences and the emotions that we felt at that time that makes it nostalgic for us. Oh, no, I totally I think I totally agree with that. I'm just saying I think they're always almost always associated with multi-billion dollar corporations right now. They'll just sell you what you used to like because you'll buy it. Yeah. Yeah. See, me personally, I don't have anything nostalgic for like franchises or like products or multi-billion dollar things at all. There's nothing for me that's nostalgic in that kind of way. For me, the things that are nostalgic for me is like experiences or different types of, I don't know, like a candle smell or like, I don't know, doing something yeah. at Christmas. No. It's like it's those kind of experiences I've had in the past because I don't know. I, I feel like there was nothing ever. 
like a big like product or anything that really sends me back to that time or whatever. I bet that specifically when you and Tommy are older, you're going to be nostalgic for things like video games. You're going to be like, I remember playing that one like 20 years ago. And you're you're going to go, that's crazy. I really want to play that again. It'll just like pop in your head. I think nostalgia works the more time you have from a certain thing. And yeah, I don't don't know if that'll be the case. I don't know if that'll affect you guys, but it'll be something that you just like you enjoyed when you were younger and then went, oh my God, I can't believe this. I forgot all about this. Like a year back, I played um, Burnout Paradise (laughs) and I definitely got nostalgic over that because I remember growing up with that in Crofton and I was like, that was really fun. That was an amazing experience. It was one of my favorite games then. But then, you know, recently I came back, it's like, man, this game's definitely old, but it was still really fun. I really enjoyed the mechanics of it. It's interesting to me that nostalgia can be a selling point. So I'll briefly talk about it, but, you know, Tears of the Kingdom just came out. And just like Breath of the Wild, it uses nostalgia based upon older versions of the Zelda series to sort of sell it to the current player. So a lot of times you'll find armor that was worn by Link in a, like, really long ago game. It could be something like A Link to the Past, which came out in 94, I think. So they they like drop little things in as nostalgia to be like, oh, do you remember this? But the funny thing is, is for most of the game, if you just took away the the character titles and the overall ideas of it, it could be a totally separate IP. It's just you add a little bit of Talking Link and Zelda and here's the Gorons and the Zora. And, you know, you just like, here's all the stuff that used to be in it. And it sort of adds a nostalgia star, like style of storytelling where you're like, oh, I know about this, but they add something new or change it. You know what we did this week? We watched animated shorts. Was that a good transition? Mm. Sure. Yes. <laughs> This week, I thought it'd be interesting. There's a lot of animated shorts that you can find on YouTube, and they're usually like 10 or so minutes long, whether they're for people who've just made them for the love of making them, or they're part of like a class project or a part of a contest. There's a bunch that you can find online, specifically on YouTube, and you can go down a rabbit hole and just like continuously watching them. And I thought but they're really interesting because a lot of the styles are so different. But I feel like, I, I don't know, I just thought it'd be really fun for us to each kind of pick one, watch it, and kind of share it with the rest of the class so we could all kind of talk about them together in like a mini trope episode, if you will. Because I think that there are a lot of tropes to animated shorts. And I wanted to see if you guys also kind of felt the same way. So we each picked a few different ones. Um, let's see here. Mine was called, and I'll put a link to all of these in like the description. So if you guys want to watch them ahead of time and then come back and finish the podcast, that'd be awesome. So mine was called The Ocean Maker. Mike's was called Dinner for Few. Liam's was called Missing Missing Halloween. Missy unfortunately couldn't be here today, but hers was The Wish Granter. And then Tommy's was Patient Zero, which was a Half-Life short. First, Tommy gave a 30-minute short (laughs) video that was not animated, so he failed. And then he immediately (laughs) did an animated short rather than a short film. So I feel like he kind of fails on all accounts. Yeah, but but it's on it's on Source 2 Filmmaker. It's a filmmaker and it's a short. Like, get with the times, Amy. Just saying. Okay. Yeah, no, bro just failed all around. (laughs) 
Liam, at least, even though Liam gave us two of them, he at least gave his animated one first. Yeah. I have so many. So many yeah, non-animated are... ones that I love. I don't really like animated ones. It's, it's hard for me to find a good one. But non-animated ones, like cinematic CGI ones, there's so many all over YouTube that I absolutely love. Well, we could always do this again with non-animated ones, but this one's the animated one, so. I, I specifically wanted to ask, because I, this is, uh, I, it, all right, if you try and go look up animated short film, right, you, you just type that into YouTube, there's like a thousand different things that's going to pop up. So I tried to figure out some criteria before I actually looked it up. And then I wanted to determine, I wanted to watch a, a short film that I knew absolutely nothing about going into it. So my specific criteria was I was only going to judge it based upon the one frame that YouTube used as a still. And I was going to say if it was a unique enough animation style compared to every other short animated film that was on there, then it would be good. I would not read the title and I would make sure that it was around 10 minutes. Those were pretty much my criteria. Just judge it by the one picture and make sure that it's kind of unique and then don't read title and 10 minutes. Did anybody else have like a similar criteria for picking them or how did you go about selecting your individual film? Hilariously enough, I actually did watch Patient Zero first. But then I was like, I don't know if I want to throw this in. This feels like and it gets into the tropes. Actually, I'm not even going to talk about how it feels. It just did. It felt like off to me. So I was like, I'm going to watch an entire another one. And it was literally Overlord was like the top recommended for me right next. And I was like, well, just click on this. And I'm like, oh, it's live action. Well, oh, well. So how did you go selecting Patient Zero, though, is what I'm asking. It's literally animated short film. And I just started scrolling. And I scrolled down past all the, the couple, like, 50, 100 million view ones. And I just scrolled. And then I was like, cool, Patient Zero. I, I put little to no thought. I just clicked because <laughs> it looked cool. Okay. My top criteria was before I, I didn't even... I, I watched the, the one I picked, Missing Halloween. I watched that years and years ago, like around when it came out. I just completely forgot about it. One of the my top criteria criterias was it didn't say animated short film because if it says yeah. animated short film, it's usually like just not it, at least in my opinion. <laughs> it's not the one. And another one, I just wanted it to be different. I didn't want to be having a very... I wanted to have a unique animation and something that... I don't know. I just needed something and I thought of it last minute. And I was like, oh my gosh, I watched this animation forever ago. I gotta find it now. And I, I posted it. Yeah. But then when Tommy posted cinematics, I was like, oh my gosh, I can I have an arsenal that I can <laughs> unleash. <laughs> During, I think it was the pandemic, Pixar released some animated shorts and I watched all of them. And then ever since then, YouTube always always recommending me animated shorts. So one day I went on an animated short run and I watched like 30 of them. And I thought about talking about it. And I was thinking about which one out of the ones that I watched would be interesting for you guys to watch. What's an interesting story? And not necessarily the graphics, but specifically, I think the music as well. What would be what would you guys actually enjoy to watch? So that's kind of how I picked the the Ocean Makers because I thought it was one. I, I there's some other ones that I really like, but they're very Amy. They're very like yeah, of course Amy would like that. Like a lot of ones are like robots or like friends or like little otters, and they're. I just knew that you guys would be like, ugh, okay, of course it's an Amy animated short. So I was like, I'm gonna find one that I think would they wouldn't think that I would watch. 
and that's that's the one I'm I presented. <laughs> I've actually seen yours before, the one that you sent, and I remember seeing it while I was watching it ahead of time. I had no idea, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, I've, I've watched this before. I don't remember where, but oh, interesting." Yeah. So the Ocean Maker essentially takes place in like a world that doesn't have water anymore. It's like completely desert. And whenever there's a cloud, there's planes that try to go and collect the water from the cloud. And the main character has created a rainmaker machine. And she is trying to make the cloud bigger so that there will be more rain but she's kind of intercepted by these, I would say, rival planes that are trying to get all the water for themselves. And they have like guns on the planes and stuff. So there's like sort of battle sequences. But then there's this big Mamma Jamma plane. And through a series of, of different events, she winds up realizing, you know, she gets shot, realizing there's nothing left. And the only thing that she can do is hope that she can, I guess, make enough rain for people who are counting on her. And so she flies her plane into this big Mamma Jamma plane and it creates a incredibly large storm out of it. And I don't think it shows it at the end, but it's the idea of like it creates enough rain that it's an ocean maker size storm that's gonna happen i thought it was really good your, your short was good i like the music in it yeah I did too. it wasn't over the top it did the standard thing that i think a lot of animated shorts do is very quickly try to throw you into a world give you a point of view from that world have you root for somebody and and just you know go with the flow i guess and be like yes this is the this is the world i'm in and now i'm accepting of it and i'm going with it well, because it is very hard to tell. I mean, because it's a short film, you have to tell a story very quickly. So when you're watching these, you kind of just have to be accepting of, OK, this is where I'm at now. Yeah. This is what's happening. And so I've seen some animated films where they kind of give you a brief rundown of what's happening. But I actually liked this one because it told such an intricate story in not really saying much of anything. And actually, I don't think there was any word spoken i'll say that's a common trope amongst animated short films is no dialogue at all yes but i will say it's usually because the at least from the ones that i've seen a lot of this stuff is not it usually deals with like animals or robots or amorphous shapes like it it's not usually people this is actually one of the first ones that i had seen that was an animated people and i was like like shocked about that i was like oh that's interesting i think it's also just a way to save time and money oh yeah oh yeah because you don't have to pay for like voice actors and stuff at yeah that point. yeah really enjoyed it i thought it was very interesting especially the idea of like that that's how they have to get rain is they have to go and like have these contraptions set up on planes and drive through the rain clouds. Like, found that really, really interesting. My science brain was like, no, that's not how any of this works. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, It might not be Earth. We don't know. So that's your excuse for faulty science? (laughs) It might not be Earth. It might not be Earth. It might not be Earth. The the language was English, so it's at least a... Maybe that's just so we could understand it. You know, maybe it's in an alternate dimension where that is how science works. I'm just saying. I love this as a concept for a movie already is that's how they explain it. We're in an alternate dimension where this is how science works. (laughs) 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 That's great. Yeah, 
I think it was it was interesting. I I personally I liked the concept. I just didn't feel for the character, and I think that's the hardest thing to do for a short film. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, this is a crappy short film. I'm just saying that I I didn't feel for the character. I didn't get into the world immediately, but I thought a lot of the concepts in there were cool and fun ideas that were executed enough to keep my interest throughout the entire thing. So I mean, maybe a harsh view, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't wasn't bad. Well, I will say you don't like animated shorts in general, though. It it depends on the ones, but I for the most part, yes. And I'll get it. There, there's one thing that really annoys me about animation in general, and this one was a glaring example of it, is animators can't seem to make normal-sized eyes. They always have to make them <laughs> absolutely gigantic. Yeah. And it's like in anime and stuff, it's one of the reasons I don't like it. It's because their eyes always look so weird and like square and, and oddly shaped. And I know it's supposed to be the window into your soul, but I, I always find it every single short except for mine, I think. And well, mine and Tommy's had big eyes in some level like misproportion now sometimes it works with the the animation and art style but this one it just seemed to detract because the eyes were half of her head and it was just a weird why would weird choice to me i like the animation on the the planes the designs of the rain catchers all that was was pretty cool but then it just had this very otherworldly character in a more grounded visual perspective from everything else is that does that make sense? It's just it's always it's always been weird to me. For yeah. So faulty science and big eyes. No, the worst. <laughs> That's what it should have been named. Two strikes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the film was bad whatsoever. No, no. I just don't. think it was uh, it wasn't of my taste. Yeah, that that the, the eye thing and the science was, was not a critique on the actual storytelling or anything or the the effort the animators or anybody put into it. It was yeah. merely just my my personal preference. Now that one, I think we should also say that's the Ocean Maker by Lucas Martel. To give the specifically at the creators. I will say for this one, they also had a contest for the music. So there's actually multiple different the Ocean Maker animated shorts, and they all have different music because there was a contest for it. I tried to find the original, and I do believe this one is the original that I that I gave to you guys. If it is not, I apologize, but I still think that the music sounded good for that one. So that would make sense of why I've watched it before. Oh, probably. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right, Mike, hit us with the your. So, so yeah so i uh, that was a great transition to you yeah, yep. <laughs> fully great transitions so i watched dinner for few by masas of i can't say the name i am so sorry it's n-a-s-s-o-s-v-a-k-a-l-i-s say it however you want i literally chose it like i said based upon the still on the front and it was just a bunch of pigs dressed up around a table and i was like cool whatever it looks like a different anime style it's not a bunch of giant eyes yeah it's it's a wonderfully scathing short concept that hits you over the head with how bad capitalism is or the idea of consumption the the, the idea of the film is that there's a bunch of pigs sitting around the table there's a chef of some sort who's going around a building that is crumbling and he's taking bricks and all the the jewelry and tables and putting it into this machine and the machine makes food and the pigs are just scarfing down the food and some of the table scraps get 
dropped off for tiny little house cats and they fight over them. And eventually when the room has been completely destroyed and the machine is not producing food anymore, the pigs start fighting. There's no more scraps left. The cats on the floor then all start attacking the pigs and they become a giant tiger who destroys all the pigs. And then the person who's cooking kills the tiger, takes kittens out of it, and then the kittens become the pigs, and they're now in a new room, and the process starts again. So this is a, a critique on how we our destructive consumption and how it benefits very few people who are having more and more and more and not leaving enough for everybody else, and at a total disregard for the place that they're actually consuming in, which would be the planet. It's yeah, it's very, you know, heavy handed. I thought it was interesting enough. My personal critique with this one, and this is only because I noticed things like these, is that he used a lot of he used a lot of sound effects that are very recognizable. So the the eating sound effects, the cats were yeah you know, multiple times. So from an audio perspective, that was the only major problem that I had with it is that a lot of the sound effects were standard sound effects that you could, you know, purchase. But I totally understand from a creative perspective, sometimes you don't have the budget or the ability to add, you know, whole depth of sound effects or music or anything to, to a project. I will say this one took me a little bit to understand what was happening. And I'm I'm ashamed of that. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, what's going on? And then I think when he started taking things from the room to make the meals, I was like, oh, it's capitalism. Oh, <laughs> like, I don't know why it took me so long to figure it out. But I, I did think that it was interesting. I wasn't a big fan of it, but it's also because it was sad. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's probably why it was sad in the sense of like, hey, here's some realism. It's like watching the news. You know what I mean? It's like, I know the planet shit. Please move on. Show me kittens instead. I don't want to see bad stuff. I want to ignore it because that's how the problem gets better. No, it's not that I want. Okay, listen, (laughs) it's not that I want to ignore it. I just think that they're, especially in today's society where like everything is shit all the time. And it's like, are you up to date with how shit everything is? And it's like, yeah, I don't want to be, but yeah, I am. And it's like, okay, well, let's talk about it again in full detail. And that's just kind of the vibe that I felt with this one. I thought it was an interesting concept. I didn't like the chewing noises. That one, those, that really bothered me. I don't know why. It's because there's probably a bunch of people chewing in the mic and you hear that enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. And I will say, I, I didn't understand, like, all of the pigs were chained underneath the table and the chain was like a snake. That I didn't understand. That one part I didn't under, well, I, you know, they're all interconnected and they're locked to each other. So you basically, I, the way that I viewed the, not the snake, but the chains in general, was that under this system, even like the rich can't escape it and they're all dependent upon each other because they've mm. given into this system and they're they're saying, oh, this, this system can feed me. I don't care about anything else. I will be locked here and it's totally fine. Each one of the pigs represented something different. One was like an Orthodox religion person one was a banker one was a fashion person one was a politician like just standard outfits that you might see so saying all of these systems together you know are producing the intended effect the one thing i didn't understand about it was when the cat went under the table and then the snake attacked the cat and disappeared i was just like is this 
It's just just how we, you know, end up being absorbed by the system. What I got from it was that like the snake, it's it the system doesn't the system doesn't care about who you are. No matter who you are, it's going to stay the same and it's going to keep on going, keep on going. And every now and then, yes, the system will take in somebody from below and rise them, make them a prominent part of the system. But also the system entraps the, you know, the higher upper level people just the same. Yeah, It's not exactly the people, it's the system that's existing itself yeah this to me was definitely the critique of the overall system and the ignoring of the external influences that that system's having where it's like dude let's just slow down a second we don't have the entire house right now i literally when when i started the video like first five seconds in not even i was like bro watch this be an (laughs) anti-capitalism one i know i know i know it was going to be just because i'm because it was mike but i didn't even (laughs) know it's funny the way you picked it too yeah it's yeah, that's what Liam says. Like, it's the way Mike picks his thing. This is gonna be anti-capitalism, and then hearing your description, I'm like, that's even funnier. I know. That's why I, I specifically had to tell everybody how I chose it because I figured, <laughs> <laughs> I figured y'all would be like, oh, come on. As soon as I saw it was pigs, I was like, oh, come on. Is it gonna be this obvious? Yeah, it was. It was. There was nothing subtle about it. I don't think it's a bad thing for this one. I I actually really appreciated the overly dramatic music in this. (laughs) Yeah, really appreciated. It was was a little ridiculous, but it was fun. Yeah, I think it knew it was ridiculous, and it just kept leaning into it, and that's why I loved it. The overall, um, especially the sound effects and just the whole feel and pretty much the whole concept of it reminds me of a Little Nightmares. I don't know if any of y'all know what Little Nightmares is. Yeah, it does. it's pretty much the same exact thing, except a bit more of a, a horror scope kind of way. It's a little, it's an indie game. I think there's two of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've, I've seen this, but I've not played it. I would definitely recommend it. So it's pretty fun. Okay. But yeah, it definitely had that feel. And when I was hearing the sound effects, I was like, these are all very recognizable audio little clips. Yep. That are very generic and stuff. Which, I mean, maybe that wasn't the creator's strong suit. Or maybe it was a personal, personal per- purpose. Yeah, that, that's true it could have been Choice. very purposeful Whatever. to be to make you uncomfortable purposeful. to be like i've seen this before i've heard this before I, yeah. I know what i'm getting into yeah it was interesting in general um you know i it definitely hits you over the head but i think that in order to tell a short story especially in like an animated format where you're not doing any kind of dialogue you might need to be hit over the head and i think all of these kind of did that i watched mine and then i watched amy's and i got nearly the same message from amy's like cooperation can lead to to abundance but a lot of times you sacrifice uh, or, or you try and take from others when you see that's available and so that message to me was kind of like pushed out there because you have a very short period of time of of actually doing it. Same thing with Missy's and even kind of with Liam's. I see it, it kind of hits you over the head with like what this is about. Not necessarily Liam's, but yeah. it's a way of telling a story is to, to do it all at once and very forcefully because you have a very short period of time to tell that story. Well, Liam, let's go with yours next, actually. Mine, I tried to be a bit different. What was mine about again? <laughs> Let me just click the video on this. Oh, give me 10 minutes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's about, um, it's like Halloween. Oh, yeah, mine, first of all. It's called Missing Halloween by Mike Anel. And it takes place on Halloween. You know, who would have guessed? Uh, it's a child who is wants to do trick-or-treat, but doesn't really have any friends. And 
kind of believes it found somebody to become its friend, I guess. I don't know. I still ha I still really know what's entirely going on, even though I've seen this a million times. This child then tries to, you know, do the trick-or-treat thing with the friend, though over time you start to notice that this friend doesn't get any candy, and, like, people don't really acknowledge this friend and starts to act weird around the child the whole time. And after a while, the child comes back home to the parents and there's a doctor and the child's been diagnosed with having an imaginary friend and the child is very devastated over this. And, it, you know, it wants to believe that its friend is real and, you know, it can feel it, it, it notices it, whatever. Also, like to say during the whole time, the friend is very, has like no emotion, is a very like whatever to everything around it and under because it understands what's going on but the child then they like he goes off on its own along the hill and there's like a fence fence off area this is danger and the imaginary friend goes and runs back there and the child chases after it after this devastating news because it's the only thing it could cling on to and so then it's chasing and it's chasing and eventually finds it and then it just kind of sits there eats candy with it. it's what it's been doing all the entire time and eventually the parents call the the cops and they're like looking through this 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 um dangerous area which is full of a bunch of bear traps everywhere so it's like a it's a very slow search parents devastate because they think you know the child's missing or whatever eventually they find it and next to this child is a rotting corpse that was what the imaginary friend used to be and a, a, apparently this other imaginary friend went missing like forever ago and uh, the case was finally solved one thing one nice detail like the whole time was that whenever they kept on eating candy you know how a lot of candies they'll have like um like little words that you read on like the wrappers or whatever the child would find like get you know like random like fun whatever words but the imaginary friend would get you found me every single time because that's i guess what it when it when you see the rotting corpse of the imaginary friend it was you found me there and i guess that's just whatever it can get the whole time but yeah it was it's it's a really good animation i really liked it when i was when i watched it i was like i don't know like 11 i was like dude that went hard that was crazy that was emotionally damaging um <laughs> emotional damage <laughs> yeah but yeah I, I don't know what do you what do you all think about it i think it was pretty good and it hurt me as a child did it hurt any of you <laughs> i are, are you hurt <laughs> I thoroughly appreciated the just kind of like light score over the entire thing up until the very end when they're searching and then it like all the crowd voice acting comes in and it's like not really a lot of music anymore and it sets a more serious tone. I love that. I love that shift in tone towards the end. I think that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. I just kind of sit up in my chair and I stopped talking. I was like, okay, where are we going with this one? <laughs> You know, I think that was part of the thing that stood out the most to me as well, but I didn't like it. I didn't like the fact that they started using the crowd voices and they had that one cop say something like, wait a minute. But it was like blurred. She said, wait a minute a bit. And it was like, if you didn't use voices the, the entire rest of the time, why would you just add it now? It seemed a little just strange to me of a choice, but it did stick out. Maybe it made the ending you know pop a little bit more it felt to me was a shift of perspective or at least that's what i got out of it we were in this perspective of the little girl the entire time and now we're in the perspective of the real world like the actual parents and things and i think that's why i liked it because it was 
we're no longer in the little girl's point of view. We're in the parent's point of view. So it's just like real life. All these noises, all these hmm. people searching around. Okay. That's how I felt. And I, I was could like, see that. Yeah. I definitely knew that there was going to be like a twist of some kind because I feel like that's, yeah. that's all. There's always a twist of these. And I didn't think she was going to be dead the little girl i thought it was going to be or the, the friend I, I didn't think they were going to be dead i just thought that it was going to be like she was actually real but she's invisible or something and then i was like when it did get to the more serious tones and then it kind of cuts over to the rotting corpse you're like oh okay that's what we're doing here and especially with the fact that her candy wrapper that you know, the corpse is holding as you found me. It's like, oh, like, it's like one of those things where like, I kind of want to go back and watch it, see what I missed, see if there's any more clues leading up to this. So I guess I'm guessing it was like her ghost. He was friends with her ghost. Yeah. Of, yeah. And yeah. she just kept wanting to trick or treat because that's what she was doing when she was last yeah. alive. To, to me, her not having candy, I was like, oh, okay, nobody likes her. And then as soon as she went to the first house and didn't get candy, I was like, oh, she's imaginary. And then as soon as I saw the doctor, I was like, oh, she's dead. And the reason why I thought in this way was because sleuth. well, it was just like, this is too early. There's too much of this short film left to be like, the friend was imaginary all along, you know? And then I was thinking, oh, it's Halloween. You add that sort of ghost perspective into it. She's a ghost the whole time. Like, that's how my brain put together the thing. And it turned out to be like, right. Because <laughs> I'm awesome. Uh, wow, apparently, he's uh, too smart so for animated shorts. I'm, I'm fantastic. No, but I, I I did like the pacing of it. I actually liked the animation on this one. I think the most, even though it's a style I typically wouldn't go, is because there was small moments like when the alive kid slid next to the dead kid. It was just the way they did that animation was kind of cool. And then the when the alive kid was running through the trees, I liked the way the trees I were did like that. There was something about that, that, that I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's a it's like a 2D perspective that kind of fades away. And, you know, as you're going into the trees, it was it was unique style. The most ridiculous thing about the whole animation was all of the adult women's boobs yeah i did they, notice that like they were what like was super up with that? triangle pointy noticeable standing out you know i don't i don't know what was up with that they, that's some anime mike you know what's going could on you please he was, he's the tell creator us. tell us what were you thinking why woman boob <laughs> <laughs> i think black and white worked for it better too I, yeah I definitely uh, well it was interesting because honestly the capitalism one mike i was like ah, that's so on brand for mike but i wasn't sure what we were gonna get from liam liam likes and to keep the mystery up yeah i was really surprised by it. I, I i was really enjoyed that one and hadn't seen it before and i really really enjoyed it i did like that different perspective of like the kids perspective of just kind of like music and running around to then like the more serious tone towards the end it is kind of jarring hearing voices now you're like oh okay we're doing voices now but i think it added more mystery to everything um and i think it did work yeah it was, it was fun yeah. thomas are we doing mine or are we doing missy's uh, we can skip, skip Missy. If hers was like a wish maker, which so there's like a someone's throw right. a coin in the fountain. I will do this, Amy. They... This is easy. No, no, because you're going. Hers was, was like the worst one. Actually, I I think I enjoyed the quick storytelling of Missy's the most. Mm -hmm. It's called the the wish maker, and it was by Wish Granter or the Wish Granter of oh, the Wish Granter. Right? By GC Meetup or no CG Meetup. 
on YouTube. Basically, somebody can throw a coin into a fountain. The fountain goes in. This little creature then figures out what type of wish this person's doing and pushes a button. So it demonstrates it with a guy giving wishing for money and he gets a coin. And then two people show up on the opposite ends of the fountain and they both throw a coin at the same time. And this little goblin creature is like, oh my gosh, it's love. But the coins get stuck. And so the, the love can't come out of the fountain and attack the people. So the little goblin creature goes above ground and does a bunch of stuff to try to get them together and then realizes like all right, he's got a coin from the person who originally wished for money and then he can throw it in unclog the pipe the two people meet and then it's like oh love i liked the quickness at which it was told and how you got on board with it right away i thought it was very pixar like in terms of design yeah which mm -hmm. i think is yeah. my biggest problem with animated shorts mm -hmm. is that everybody seems and that's one of the reasons i didn't choose something like that everybody seems to want to do a pixar like short they got giant eyes with in turtles and you're like okay i get it you're you're making something very cute that's also going to be like oh no i've got to get back to my family or something you know so <laughs> th this was definitely a pixar short in terms of it but it was less than five minutes long and it told a complete quick story and there was nothing about it i was confused about which is a very good sign for anything that can be in a universal language that just about anybody can watch this and go i know 100 percent what's going on that's yeah that's not wrong at all <laughs> whereas with mine if you didn't know about the evils of capitalism then... <laughs> Sorry, bro. Nah, we're good. <laughs> yeah no but yeah so that that was miss easy was great she can talk about it if anybody else wants to do it but again we'll have it in the description so you can watch it regardless mm -hmm. or irregardless is it regardless this regardless. irregardless this irregardless Disregardless. It's Dis regardless. It's regardless. It's just regardless. 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 You got it in the description. Guardful <laughs> or guardless. Okay. Mine is a short film called Patient Zero by the Perry God. It is a half-life short film. Now, particularly what I like about short films set in other universes is that the universe is already established. Therefore, they're not trying to tell a completely round, like uh, the story doesn't have to have a message. The story isn't this just like airtight thing. It's usually, it feels like a scene in a movie. This is exactly what this felt like. All it was, the best description I could give to it, is the police force, the Half-Life police force, went in to investigate a point of interest in an abandoned set of buildings. Like that is it. That is the entire short film. Yeah. And that's what I love so much about this. And I'm very glad I, I picked it is there wasn't some overall super message. It was just these police are going in. We get their point of view. We get the point of view of the rebels. We get flex of nostalgia in there for a lot of, you know, old half-life sounds. that we know love, but a lot of them are updated. So it's more fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I actually found I, I found it really interesting. I thought it, the character animation for a lot of the short film was so spot on. But then I found like weird scenes like the car driving in was so jarring to me. Like it just felt so off and like some of the doors opening felt really off. But I'm like, this person clearly knows how to animate characters, just not cars. So I feel like it's a strong suit. If anything, I feel like characters, at least in my head, seem to be you know much more hard of a thing to master but there was decent voice acting in it it was just it was just like a scene in a movie i don't know exactly where these characters are at it was just there's a intensity it was very very dark in the lighting and in the setting i loved it 
I agree definitely with the animation. Almost all of it was great, except for that car did look very video game cartoony. It did. Weird, right? They're so it boxy really and everything else was very smooth. Mm-hmm. Also, I did not like how the really big guy, how big his torso was in comparison to his legs. It felt weird. It did oh, yeah, feel weird. That's what I said. It felt weird. <laughs> Why he Man had no like ass. that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I liked how they used... I feel like the combine in Half-Life are so like lazy when you're not in combat with them and you're just getting to see them exist in their spots. They just feel lazy. They feel like I don't want to be here. And that's exactly how they felt here was, okay, we're just going to follow the soldier around. I'm just going to whatever. I'm not going to check my corners. This robot's doing it for me. And that's I loved that. And I loved the how they really took the existing universe not necessarily elevated it, but just used some of its strong points to make a fun scene. So the only good thing I have to say about this one is that it's pretty decent animation, except for that car. Yeah. But here's probably the reason why I didn't like it. I don't know anything about Half-Life. Mm-hmm. So for me, I had mm-hmm. no idea what was going on. I don't know any of the, I I recognize the characters, but it didn't like nothing made sense to me. The there's like a little beacon that the rebels turned on to like lure the quote unquote cops to and I didn't know anything about the beacon, didn't know anything about all of these people. Didn't was very confused. I would have to say the voice acting in this not the best specifically the big guy i had to put subtitles on because i could not figure out a damn word that dude was saying and it was a lot of like military jargon that he was using like the whole time as well but on top of that his voice was like robotic and crackly and deep and but it, it just was very hard to understand and to be honest i hated the fact that it wasn't a full story i hated the fact that it was just a scene now if you are a fan of half life i can totally see how you would probably love this and enjoy this but not knowing anything about half-life except for people pissing themselves about how great it is i like i don't think that if you don't know anything about half-life i don't think this one's for you but if you enjoy half-life maybe maybe not i think it's just a cool introduction to a world but it does not tell a story like all the others you know, yeah. it's not it's it's a snippet. Yeah, but it's usually even with snippets, I feel like you want to know more. But this didn't make me want to know more. I, w- I will agree with that. I know. I'm just saying for, for anybody else who's out there, just because you don't know anything about Half-Life doesn't mean it's not worth a watch. It's only like seven minutes or something. And maybe you get something interesting out of it. And you're like, oh, that was kind of a, a cool, weird perspective. You know, I get it. If you don't like Half-Life or know anything about it, then it, it's it's a little off-putting. But I wouldn't necessarily say it's like, don't watch this if you don't know about Half-Life. It's definitely, it's good animation. It's definitely well done for how well they try to keep to like, just lore in general. I mean, I don't really know all that much about Half-Life, Half-Life mm-hmm. either. I mean, I was just saying, like, I had no idea what that beacon thing was, to be honest. I was just like, oh, it's a beacon, and it's it's making them go over there. It's a distraction, so, uh, okay. And I thought, you know, although, yeah, it's not a concisive story, I think it's just cool animation with some cool an- uh, action that just kind of was just nice visuals overall. And, yeah, I did. I had to put on captions, too. I did too. Um, I thought I think you're supposed to have captions on, to be honest. I think yeah, the combine because that's how the combine work. The combine, which are like the yeah. police guys, are you just you're not supposed to understand them. They're just something that you kind of 
they're just like gargle. They're like stormtroopers. They're background foot soldiers that you just gargle and you just do whatever, and that you just you shoot and they shoot you. But this brought some extra level, like I guess, depth to them and just how they operate, how they work, especially the main soldier. <laughs> yeah, I loved that that line where he's like, "Hostile entities. It is now safe to come out." Oh yeah, knowing damn well it was not safe to come out. <laughs> Nobody comes out. That felt like such a wonderful, lazy attempt on, again, that Combine's point to just lure out the enemy and you know he's just going to murder everyone in there. I know, bro. Here's a bottle, like, rolling, and he just starts blasting immediately. Yeah. Like, he does no hesitation. You know how companies will do snippets from movies or games to, like, get you interested to kind of hype you up for that movie or game release? Mm -hmm. That's what this felt like, but... Because I don't have any interest in Half-Life, it to me, it wasn't interesting. Sure, if you like Half-Life, I think you'll like it. If you don't like Half-Life or you've never heard about Half-Life, you might still like it. I just know it was very Half-Life-y. <laughs> and it, to me, it didn't make a lot of sense. And it just felt kind of like, here's an exclusive clip from the upcoming Half-Life game kind of vibe rather than like, hey, here's an interesting animation that we have for you. Watching it last out of all of these, it was a little like, okay, is there going to be an actual story here? It did feel like it was a snippet of something bigger. And, yes, and yeah. you know, just like a, a tense action piece from a longer TV show or a movie or something without providing a lot of context. I think that's why I liked it. And that's probably why I didn't like it. Man. I'm not crapping on you for, no. for I'm, I know providing you're not. that. I'm just I don't, giving I harsh totally agree, though, yes. is I don't think this doesn't make me interested in seeing more of this, particularly. I don't think they're, they did anything to make me want to see more of it, minus like the animation was just so freaking good. It was so smooth. Yeah, the, the animation, I will give him that. The animation was fantastic. Like how he, the big guy jiggles down the hallway when he's checking his corners. I'm like, that's fun. This is really great animation. But I'm like, other than that, I don't really care. I just think. Well, my question has nothing to do necessarily with the animation, but the truck they were getting out of, why did all of them have to crouch down and put one hand on the truck to then get out? Like, it was only like a foot drop. They could have just dropped out of the truck, They're you know? heavy boys, you know? But it just seemed, it seemed like unnecessary that they all had to like, oh, let me crouch down and hold on to this truck to like fully hop out of this one foot drop. Because they already had that motion capture available and they decided to use it. Oh, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Oh, okay. It was fun, though. I think I liked everything. I liked this experience. Maybe we can do it again. All of this was based upon YouTube recommendations, and YouTube has its own algorithm for each one of us, and it yeah. knows what oh, yeah. we like and stuff. So, yep. you know, putting these sort of things out there is interesting. I wonder if there's another source that we can go to. I guess if anybody knows of a great depository for short films or like a list of them or something that's kind of unique, please let us know because I would very much like to watch some more i don't necessarily want to watch pixar short form films unless it's from pixar i would like to watch yeah. something interesting so send us a list of interesting short films and we'll we'll try and find more tropes right well i think that's also why i wanted to do this is because i knew that the algorithms had different things suggested for 
each of us. So I wanted to see what each of us would come up with without saying like, here's a list of animated shorts, like go check them out. I wanted to see like, yeah, your assignment is to find one and bring it back to us because there are so many out there and I wanted to see what would pique your guys' interest. And I'm gl- I'm glad because I think, you know, we got a lot of unique different ones, uh, but I definitely think we should do it again because they're they're really nice because they are short. Yeah. And I know, Liam, you were saying that, you know, you have a lot more live action. I definitely think we should do a live action oh, yes, short film one as well. Oh, no, I don't have live action He's ones. Got... I have like cinematics. CGI cinematics. Yeah. Oh, I think that also. OK, well, good. yeah, that'll also. Be. I think I think it's it's interesting. I wanted to talk just real quick about, I don't know how many kind of short films you guys actually wound up watching, but I've watched a lot. And I think some of the tropes that I've found, at least in the ones that are recommended to me and the ones that I've seen, they really try to pull on your heartstrings right away. And there's always some big twist that makes you like, that hits you right at the end because they're trying to tell, you know, a short story and they're trying to do it in such a small amount of time that they have to like leave a lasting impression. So a lot of this stuff that I was seeing, either somebody sacrificed themselves or someone was in great peril, but at the very end, it's fine. They're all good. And it was usually like a lot of family or a lot of like sticking together or like sacrificing yourself for family. And I don't know. I thought that that was interesting. I guess it makes sense when you're trying to make something short that would resonate with people that you'd pull on heartstrings in order to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an easy way to make an emotional connection because you don't you don't have to do much. You can just be like, oh, I see that person is making a sacrifice for the, the betterment of whatever or giving themselves up for their family. And it's a very it's something that you can very easily put yourself into those shoes for and go, oh, yes, I would do the right thing. I would be that person who gets the sacrifice. And so you kind of relate to the character right away. I think it that's with a lot of stories and writing as well. It's just if you want to make something very quick, then you keep it basic and simple and the idea of, okay, I'm going to tell a story about one person doing something and they lose, but everybody wins. Yeah. Whereas if you want to tell a more long form story, then you have to figure out character flaws and how they're going to interact with their environment and what tough choices they have to make back and forth. And yes, it might get you a little bit more invested, but it's not as universal. And I think if you keep it really simple, it's much more universal, especially when you don't have dialogue and it can reach a much, much wider audience across language barriers. If you have a short film that just focuses on one very simple concept. It's almost like storytelling shortcuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think if honestly, and this is if anybody out there wants to write something long, start off with something short because the something short can give you your basis and then you can add to that to make a more complex interaction between your characters and more complex story and more interesting area. Yeah, flush out the world environment. Yeah, exactly. The side characters and their motivation for being there and doing what they're doing. I, I've not watched a lot, so I don't know about a lot about short films in general, but you know, maybe I'll I'll pop one on every once in a while just to get an idea. I think it's just like animated short films all like we were kind of touching on, just follow that Pixar pulling your heartstrings vibe. And that's not what I'm interested in at all. I I've just I've seen it so many times. I'm done. I want something more unique or experimental, which is why 
I saw the SFM and I was like, mm, let me click on this. I I like it for a lot of the world building because a lot of the ones that I watch are like sci-fi related. And so I do like that they have these really cool, interesting worlds that you didn't even think about. And you get a, a nice little short story and you're like, dang, I want more of this world now because that was such a cool concept for a world. Why is it just a short story? Because budgets, Amy. Budgets. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. big problem I have with the uh the first one with the make the what was it called Ocean Maker Ocean Maker the ocean making maker. an ocean. I'm like that's not it. The Ocean Maker is that the world that was interesting is now solved because they solved it right then and there. That's done. She made the ocean, and I'm like this desert of post apocalypse is no longer interesting to me. It's like, it, that's that's it. Interesting. But she sacrificed herself for it. She drove a plane into another plane. Sorry, sister. Inside of a cloud while activating gas. <laughs> I think, again, I think that's a pretty pretty decent story. It's just like, yeah, yeah. that world was built and done. Yes. Which is why I like something like my SFM, where I'm just like, there's so much more potential to be had. Even though I don't think... I'm I'm defending this even though I don't think it's as great as some of the others I've seen because it didn't leave me wanting more. It's more so Overlord, which is why I posted that first, where it was like, oh, that left me wanting more of this world. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can always want more of the world, but I find usually in the past, whenever I've watched short films and when I watched all these here, I did prefer the, the complete story. That's fair. And I think it's get wrecked, Tommy. It, it's nice to want more, <laughs> but I think that it's. I guess I expect a complete story more than I expect a snippet of a larger one. That's fair. That's how I feel going into short films. Is like this is going to tell me everything, and there is not going to be a sequel. If I wanted a sequel, I'd watch yet another Marvel movie. <laughs> <sighs> And on that note, I think we're going to end the podcast for the day. Thank you guys for listening. Do you guys have any short stories that you have enjoyed? Link them to us. We want to see them. I want to see them. Tommy doesn't. But <laughs> but I think it'd be interesting to see what kind of short stories you guys have seen. Have you seen any of the ones that we have? Did you like them? What did you think of them? Let us know. We are 1L2N Productions over on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. We also, you can hit us up on our website, which is 1L2NProductions.com. And if you'd like to help support us, you can head on over to our Patreon. And the last word of the day goes to Mike. Wait, that's a two, right? Yeah. Mike, take it away. You see... The problem is that the pigs had all of the power. Or did they? They were chained to the table. The real problem here was the chef cooking in the background and everybody letting it happen. What you have to imagine is that capitalism is just like that chef. A system that is permanently going into a smaller and smaller corner.